Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. We've been in this series, Eternal Paths, Ancient Paths. Jeremiah 6 tells us, like, there's these things, there's these paths we can walk in, and if we do walk in these things, there will be rest for our souls. And up to this point, we've talked about three different ones, prayer, worship, and the Word. And these are three things that, for the most part, are universally accepted. In other words, I haven't ruffled your feathers too bad, uh, because at least we agree somewhat on this idea that prayer is good. The word is good. Worship is good. And what we've done over these last three weeks is broaden, really, the definition from prayer being just this thing that we do in the quiet on our knees to, no, no, prayer is this communion and this way of life with Jesus. The same thing with worship, that worship isn't just four songs on Sunday, but it is this way of life in which we worship Jesus in all things. And the same thing with the word, the spoken word, the written word, and the word Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, walked among us. So today, and for the next four of these eternal paths, I expect a little bit more resistance because there's things that you think you can do without. You think, I really don't need that. I'm just fine without it, as if it's optional. Have you ever read the Ten Commandments? And you get to a few of them, and you're like, really? That one? All the other commandments, but that one? You know? What if, I can't remember who it was who said it. Maybe it was Francis Chan. But he said, what if we took, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, just as important as thou shalt not kill, right? It would kind of change the way we live because we kind of value or devalue these things in such a way and think, we think that we've got it and that's the whole thing. Well, actually, let me get back to that in a few minutes. Today, what I want to talk about is community, the body of Christ, the church. In the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verse 23, if you don't have it, It's going to be on the screen. Paul, writing this letter to the church, says this. The church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. It's this beautiful picture in which he's writing to this church and explaining, you want to know what the church is? It's his body. It's his body. We are the body of Christ. And it's made full and it's made complete by Christ dwelling in us. And then it fills the world. It fills all things everywhere with himself. In other words, you don't go to church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of of glory, and God fills everywhere, every nook and cranny with himself. Let me put this another way. You are the flashlight to the world. But if the battery is not in you, you are a paperweight. 
But when that battery is inserted, and when Christ is in you, now all of a sudden, you need glasses. <laughs> and this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Uh, this is what it's like. You're, you're, you're like this flashlight, and when Christ gets in you now, you get to light up the world. And, and everywhere, and all things, in that dark corner over there where you can't see, ooh, there's a sign right there. Because of Jesus, because of Christ in you. And Jesus doesn't want to. There it goes. This idea that Christ in all things, using us to fill up the lives of atheists and Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and Walmart break rooms, and Highway 17, and gas stations, and your dining room table, Christ filling all things. We are this conduit that Christ uses to shine his love to the world. And here's the thing, this is his plan, to use us, this church. And here's the thing, you can't be part of Christ and not part of the body. They go hand in hand, but we try. Even later on, like, can the foot say to the hand that I don't need you? But we do it all the time. We try to act as like we could live without these certain pieces, and we just want our only expression of the body, our own preferences. And you can't do it. You can't do it. We love to break aside to these things called denominations. Which is funny because that word literally means separate nations, which is the complete opposite of what Jesus called to us to be, one nation. Come on. Somebody's help. Thank you, Louise. Help me this morning. <laughs> now here's the, I want us to read, Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want, to, I want you to hear what he says. Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 6. And, and God, I mean, Paul is talking to the church, about the church, giving them a definition of what this body is, how it's made full and complete in Christ, and how it fills the world everywhere and everything with himself through us. Listen to this, chapter 3, verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news shall share equally in the rich inheritance by God's children, both in part of the same body and both enjoying the same promises of blessing because why? Because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and his mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. So Paul's real clear, like, this is what God has given me. This is my point to do. He's given me this grace. He's given me this power to spread the good news of himself to Jews and to Gentiles. It says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless tra treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the very beginning. 
In other words, there's a secret now God is revealing to the world. And through Paul, Paul is telling him, like, understand this. Understand this church and the way it works and everything that he's doing. There's a plan to it. And I'm the least deserving of these. And then verse 10, God's purpose. In other words, are you wondering what God's purpose in this is? God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus. So much goodness in there. First of all, Paul's writing this, and sometimes when we first really like, oh, but I'm the least of these, we kind of think that it's just kind of this self-deprecating statement, but there's so much more. No, Paul's literally saying, like, I should not be the one doing what I'm doing. There, there, there's no way that I should be doing this. I am the least of these. Because if you know Paul, let me, let me give you just a little bit about Paul. It says this in Philippians 3. I, the Apostle Paul, I was a devout Jew, circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As of the law of Pharisees, as to zeal, I was even persecuting the churches. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. In other words, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I knew the law. If anybody was to be called to reach the Jews, you think it would be Paul. He grew up in that world. He lived that world. And who did God say, Paul, who you're going to reach? The Gentiles. The complete opposite of what you think he should do. I'm the least qualified. I'm qualified in this area, God, but I'm going to use you over here. And look at what he did with Peter. Peter was rejected by every other Jewish rabbi. If anybody could reach the Gentiles, it would have been Peter. And God said, no, no, Peter, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to build my church. Everyone else thinks that you're rejected and you're not good enough. Watch what I do with you. The complete opposite. So when he says, I'm the least of these, he really means it. He really means it. This would be the equivalent of a team getting together, and Jesus is the coach of this basketball team. And a kid walks through the room that's seven foot, four inches tall. What do you do with that kid? Center, all day long. He's the center. And Jesus is like, nope, point guard. <laughs> and then there's some other kid that's like four foot 11. I make him the center. And every other coach is like, what are you doing? This is the wisdom of God to show his light to the world through us, his church. In other words, you think you're special? Like, it's because God's saying, look at what I could do. Look at what I could do through this messed up person. Watch how I could shine this light. This is the purpose of the church, not because you are so qualified. Actually, it's because you're disqualified. The only person who qualifies you is Jesus Christ. And this is how God chooses to use these broken flashlights to light up the world. Now, here's where it gets even more intense. Paul takes it a step further. So it's not just that this is the church and this is the body, and this is how he uses the body to bring his light and his glory to the world. He goes on to say this, the purpose, again, in all of this, to display his wisdom. It doesn't seem like wisdom to the world, but it's wisdom to God. And as he displays this wisdom in its rich variety, it does this, 
all of the unseen, the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, as we light up the darkness, it's not just here, things on earth that are changing. It's up in heaven too. In other words, as you begin to shine your light so much so that the world can see, the angels are looking down and saying, what? God, I did, wow, your glory on display. It, it, it actually says that in the book of 1 Peter chapter 12. 1 Peter chapter 12 says this. Now that this, this good news has been announced to you by those who preached it in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, it's also so wonderful. In other words, this gospel that we're preaching to you, it's so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things that are happening. The angels are like, God, I didn't even know that about you. You're so glorious. Think about the implications of that. In other words, as our lights shone so shine, we're affecting not just humanity, we're affecting heavenly places. It's, it's these unseen things that are seeing us. And this is the wisdom of God. This is the community, the body that he has called us to be. How will the world know? Well, they'll know him by our love for one another. It takes on three different parts. One, it's for you. This, this body that we're grafted into, Jews and Gentiles, to be hands and feet, to be part of this body. The second part is, it's for others. That we would light up and shine our light in the darkness to be salt and to be light. And then third, it's for God. We are the bride of Christ. We live this life and we do it together for his glory and his good pleasure. Have we reduced it down to just one of these things? Have we reduced it down to where the body and the community exists for you and you alone? Do you not realize you're a part of something that is designed by its very nature to change the world? To change things. To give glory to God. And this is his wisdom and his plan. And we've got to have a proper understand of these three things because these three things aren't three things. They're one thing. It's like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's for you. It's for others. It's for God. It's all working together. And these things don't compete. They complement they complement to give us a fuller picture of what God is doing in his wisdom. In the book of Genesis, there's this moment where God is creating everything. And at the end of each day of this creation process, there's a phrase, there's this refrain, it's, is, good, sun, good, stars, good, uh, moon, and all of these things, and animals that creep on the ground, and all, it is good, birds that fly in the air, it is good, Adam, wait, hold on, oh, it's not good. It's not good that man be alone. Think about that statement, because this statement was given before the fall. In other words, you could be in the perfect environment, you can have everything working out for you, but if you're just all by yourself, it's not good. You were designed and made to do this together. So the idea that's often prevalent 
in our culture now that all you need is Jesus is false. It's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. Nope. Jesus himself said it. It's not good that man be alone. You need people with you. Here's the thing about being alone. When you choose to live alone, you not only lose others, you lose yourself. You not only lose others, you lose yourself, and isolation will drive you mad. You'll end up like Tom Hanks talking to a soccer ball. Wilton! Isolation will drive you mad. We try to shut ourselves off from the body. And here's the thing. I'm willing to say it's already driven us mad. We just can't see it. We've replaced the soccer ball for a screen. And we laugh about Tom Hanks talking to the soccer ball, but we talk to this thing all day long. So much so that we don't even know how to interact with humans anymore. You know, companies are actually having this problem on huge levels where so people are spending so much time in front of screens that they don't know how to treat other people when they get in the boardrooms and when they get around people, they think they could just cuss them out. And they're like, this ain't Alexa. You about to get punched in the mouth, right? That's the reality of it. And so they're actually trying to teach robots now. They're trying to do this artificial intelligence where there will actually be consequences for you disrespecting a robot, which is actually probably a really good thing because you, be, you treat these robots a certain way, you think you could treat someone else that way, there's consequences for it. So in other words, Alexa can start to put you in timeout. I'm sorry, you shouldn't speak to me that way today. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and then your phone, what is your phone just shut off? Like, no, I don't feel like talking to you today. Like, it might just help us. We're designed and built for this community to live together. We're better together. So which begs the question, why do the hands and feet fight so much? 